Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Buenos tardes, mi amigo. Hola, my good friend. Cinco de mayo on Tuesday. And I hoped we'd see each other again. Hello, 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 everyone. It is me, Michael D. Catherwood. Buenos tardes, mi amigo. Uh, it is Mikey Likes You. Q&A edition. You know what Q&A stands for? Quisenberry Assault. Ah, silly. Ha, ha, ha. No, um, question and answer. I put out the... Uh, proverbial bat signal for you guys to do the questions and i will give you the answers now it's that simple and i don't feel like there's any need for us to fool around why don't we just get right to it but before we do anything let me talk to you about my friends and and i i use that term very seriously when i'm talking about my friends at bet online why are they my friends well, they've made the lockdown so much more enjoyable for me. The NFL season, I don't have to tell you, is in full swing. You're probably not at the game. You're not at your favorite sports bar experiencing the game in the way that you normally do, in the way in which you would like to. But have no fear. Bet Online has your back. They have game spreads, they have totals, they have teams, players, so many ways to bet. They even have coaching props. Come on, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino because it never closes. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, so like I said, I put out the uh, the request on that there Instagram at Mikey Likes You One, the number one, or at Mike Catherwood. Um, I put the video requesting your questions on both accounts. Let's get right into it. Uh, question number one: Tim Ferriss inspired. This is from the HKT podcast. Tim Ferriss inspired. If you could speak into the ears of everybody on the planet for 30 seconds, what would you say? I would say, oh, geez, good question. (coughs) That doesn't count as part of my 30 seconds. I just really needed a burp. I'm actually going to time myself here, so, and go. Um, 30 seconds. Hello, everyone on Earth. Thank you for giving me your ears. Don't underestimate how similar we all are. Obviously, our lives look very different. All over the globe, we have different struggle. But at its core, 
the way we feel about consciousness, the way we feel about our lives, we are so much very the same. And there's no need for us to point fingers at the other and criticize the way they live their lives and vice versa. Because when we get the opportunity to really experience each other, regardless of how different we may look at first glance, we are very similar. It's like how the how the water looks at an ice cube. You would say, oh, that's so different. But as soon as you get closer to it, you realize we're all just the same at their core, like the water and the ice cube. Boom. That was double 30 seconds, but hey, I'm verbose. My dogs are uh, insane. I don't have to tell you if you've ever listened to any episode since the lockdown when I've done the show from my house. Uh, I love my dogs, but they bark a lot and they are crazy. What's the best and worst piece of advice you've ever been given? The worst piece of advice I've ever been given is uh, people don't change. Don't don't assume that people can change, that redemption is real, and uh, because it's not true. Once a scumbag, always a scumbag. That's what this guy told me, and I was younger. I was probably like 20. And at first, I was like, oh, maybe he's right. Because I was hanging out with a group of people that weren't the most savory characters. But then I real I grew up and I realized that's not at all true. That's not at all true. People have make dramatic changes. Um, the best piece of advice I ever got was um, Joan Rivers said on an episode of Louis Louis C.K.'s TV show that used to be on FX. There's an episode where Louie goes to her room uh, after a comedy show and he's just kind of frustrated with his career and his life. And Joan Rivers says, listen, sometimes the music stops, but you just got to keep dancing. And it, it sounds kind of cliche and, and, and like a like a, you know, like a scripted line. And it, I'm sure it is, but. If you really take time to think about it, there's a lot of value in that. Don't just don't stop dancing, even if the music stops. And essentially what she's saying is that life is not going (laughs) to almost always life is not going to come at you on your terms. I think we've all learned that, you know, in 2020. You just can't plan things, you know, and people talk about five-year plan. It's like, it's not realistic because life never really comes at you in the way that you're anticipating it's going to come at you, but you can't stop. You can't let it beat you. You just got to keep going. And I always remembered that. It was great advice, in my opinion. Tudka versus Milk Thistle, how to choose blood work? Power building programs, Thanks. Not a lot of questions there. I mean, Tudka versus Milk Thistle is a question. Essentially, you're saying, I want to take better care of my internal organs because I'm on steroids. What should I take? Um, hmm. Milk Thistle has not proven to be very effective. I will say that. Tudka is, you know, the jury's still out, but it does seem to be more effective. The best thing you can do is 
stay really hydrated, constantly be eating things that are going to be uh, cleansing of the liver, um, you know, and uh, maintain a healthier lifestyle overall, as opposed to just taking something to to cleanse that liver. Um, also, particularly toxic steroids, I just don't mess with them. That that's another thing you can do. I mean, why mess with orals unless you're unless you're a pro, unless you get a paycheck for your body? I don't understand why anyone takes oral steroids. Get some injectable Winstrol. Get some uh, obviously get some tests. No matter what, unless you're a woman, no matter what, start with testosterone. Sipinate, nanthate. Um, as you get closer to uh, a contest or how you want your end date, switch to a quicker ester like propanate. That's that's not open for debate. You always start with test. Obviously, only if you're a man. Um, add in an anabolic. Deca if you're building. Uh, Winstrol if you're cutting. You know, maybe people prefer uh, other things besides those two. Those two seem to be good, you know, at at doing what you're doing. Obviously, some orals are effective. Anavar, for instance, in, in a cutting phase is very effective. Um, but the, the, the magnitude of toxicity to the system compared to injectable steroids is 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 huge. It's a huge, huge difference. None of it is ideal when it comes to overall health. So don't mishear me. But if you're going to take steroids, there is this very dumb notion that if like a pill is somehow healthier than something you would inject into your body. I think because people have a genuine fear or there's this stigma around injecting something in yourself, which I totally get. But it's not true. Metabolizing something, swallowing it, you then have to filter through all your different internal organs like the liver and kidneys and all that shit. Completely bypass that if you inject it. So don't take orals is my best advice. Uh, Don't be a bitch and if you're going to do it, do it. Get some – get it, you know, and and also – the dosages are smaller. You got to prick yourself, you know, only like a couple times a week. And uh, that that's my first advice. If you're going to take orals, I, I mean, I guess talk to someone who's who knows a lot more than I do because I haven't used any gear for, God, almost 20 years. No, not that. Like 17 years since I used steroids. Um, and I had a, a baseline understanding and knowledge. And I'm not just some noob or some beginner. I do I do know what I'm talking about. But I haven't continued to like grow my knowledge of it because I don't really care. Um, so I, I would talk to someone who's like a wizard in this stuff because there's plenty of guys and gals out there who are wizards in this stuff and really find out what is best for taking care of your liver, taking care of your other um, internal organs when it comes to using gear, especially a lot of it. Um John, uh, God, what's that dude's name? Mountain Dog. He's really smart. He he was a very he's a very smart bodybuilder when it comes to that because he doesn't shy away from talking about steroids, but he also is genuinely concerned with your internal organs. Um, 
got, what's his name? Mountain Dog Bodybuilder. It's John, I believe. Mountain Dog Bodybuilding. Bodybuilder. There we go. Uh, John Meadows. John Meadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, John Meadows is smart. He's a smart dude. Uh, he's a smart nutritionist coach and obviously a very successful bodybuilder in his own right if you take a look at his physique. And the guy's fucking jacked and he's 48. And again, he's never kind of uh, shied away from talking about uh, steroid use. Uh, Greg Doucette's also great. I, he's like a polarizing figure, but I don't care. I mean, he everything he says is very reasonable. And he's also very open about like steroid use as for, uh, for an IFBB pro. But he's, he on uh, concurrently is, is very concerned with his health. And I think that that's legitimately a good thing. Because far too the, the, there's a real problem that the fitness industry has gone completely diametrically opposite from the health industry. There are people that can combine the two, and uh, if there's like a Venn diagram of two circles, there's a little middle ground where they meet, and there's people in there who are genuinely concerned and still apply the term fitness to health and vice versa. But a lot of people are just worried about their physique and they just do fuck all to their body. And I understand that when you're 19. But one of these days, whether it's at 25, 45, somewhere you're going to get to the point where you realize that you're going to die and you only get one shot at this. And your physique really doesn't matter all that much. And to the extent that it does matter... You can achieve that without drugs. So there you go. Long-winded answer to a relatively short, concise question about milk thistle. Um, How to choose blood work. I don't understand that. Um, Any of the major places, like, I guess you're saying, like, what to choose to test for when you do blood work. Um... Uh, any of the major kind of places that do blood work, I use Quest Diagnostics, and I believe they're a national uh, corporation. And they just have like a male, basic male panel, and um, I choose that. So it's like liver enzymes, hemoglobin, testosterone, growth hormone, uh, T3, other thyroid stuff, and um, your blood sugar. All of that – it, it kind of covers every one of the major health issues you may run into. So either choose like the the, the male panel that they have if they don't have that, the ones I just named. You're going to want to look at hemoglobin, blood sugar, th- thyroid stuff, so T3, T4, free T3, testosterone obviously, you know, the male hormones, and um, the sex hormones in general. So it's, you know, it's going to be testosterone, estrogen, estradiol. That stuff, free testosterone, and then um, your blood sugar, hemoglobin, and liver enzymes. Um, you get you you check that you're you're pretty good. Um, let's see here, power building programs. Just that word, um, or just those words. I, that's with no question mark. I guess you're saying, what do I think about them? I, that's the major way that I like to train and tell people to do the same. Um. This idea of like sculpting your body, it's just not real. It's not true. Um, The people who achieve 
the beautiful physiques that you see, um, if they're pushing a higher volume, higher rep, lower weight uh, protocol, they they may legitimately be using it, but that's because they spent years building their physique in a in a more structured linear progression power building way. Um, whether it be uh, one of two things is at play here. Okay, either you're like Ryan Reynolds and you're just genetically lean, and Ryan Reynolds can you know what I'm saying? Like he's that guy. He's six foot four and he's always been thinner, but really lean and athletic. He puts on 10 pounds of muscle and he looks like a Greek god. That's not most people. Um, Luke Rockhold from – I've gotten a couple questions like how do I look like Luke Rockhold from the UFC? Well, be born by Luke Rockhold's parents. That's the reality. I mean there's some people – I used to have a friend who was a surf punk and he drank beer every day and he ate nothing but fast food and he was fucking shredded and I hated him. Uh, I really actually loved the guy. I cared for him. But I, it was very frustrating to me because I'm not that guy. I'm not – I don't have gifted genetics um, and most of us don't. So either you're that guy, like if you looked at the, the progression of Zac Efron, like Zac Efron looks amazing in in Baywatch, right? I think he has the, the physique that most men on the planet would like aspire for, aspire to. But really look at where he came from. He was always kind of like a lean athletic guy. He wasn't, you know, um, like a doughboy or or like scrawny. He was like a, you know, he was a little thin, you know, might have been a thin guy, but he was, he had a good base going in. And if you're those people who have really high metabolisms and typically are leaner naturally, you can do practically any programs and you see them, you know, put the, but if you're a normal looking dude like myself, like here's a, here's a perfect example. Look at Kamal Nanjani. His transformation and people are like steroids or not. I don't give a shit. Let's just take that aside. I'm sure – look, there was some fucking chemical going on. But Kamal Nanjani's transformation was astounding. He was fucking goo. He was made of goo. And then he turned out to have this beautiful muscular physique. You better believe he was lifting heavy weights. You better believe it. And if you're a chick and you're listening, you have to lift heavy weights too. Do I mean you have to train like a power lifter? No. What I'm saying is in proportion to who you are and your strength level, you're going to at some point if you ever want to make consistent and and noticeable gains in your physique, you at some point are going to have to get involved in resistance training at a level that makes you go into failure in the lower rep range. I'm thinking three to six. Does that mean you have to train to lift hundreds of thousands of pounds? Of course not. What it means is in proportion to your level of strength, you have to get into the red zone. You have to just bite the bullet and start doing that. You're not going to it, it certainly is better than nothing, but you're not going to fucking P90X your way into Zac Efron's body. You're not going to look like me. For me, for instance, you're, you're, I'm not a gifted guy, for instance, but a lot of people say, hey, Shred City, or you look great, and I appreciate the compliment. I have to constantly adhere to heavy resistance training to the detriment sometimes of other things. Does it affect – my ability to be lighter on my feet when I'm boxing or kickboxing? Absolutely. 
Does it affect my ability to uh, my shoulder mobility when I'm trying to develop better posture? Probably. But if your main goal is looking good naked, this is something you have to do, this kind of power building idea. Learning how to squat, learning how to deadlift, learning how to uh, bench press or uh, the alternatives of bench press. I, out of the big three, the three power lifts, the bench press, the squat, and the deadlift, That the bench press is the one that I say you can definitely do without, but there must be some commensurate alternative. Um, dumbbell bench press. Um, uh, dumbbell uh, is the best alternative, in my opinion, or weighted dips. Those can be very difficult on people's shoulders, though. So, you know, the dumbbell bench press is, is probably the best option. Because I do think that the bench press for many people can be very, very dangerous uh, for the shoulder girdle and can oftentimes not provide the greatest results in growth because of people's lack of understanding how to properly bench press. Um, But power building in general is something that everyone listening, especially if you want to lose weight, losing body fat – the old adage of like when I want to build, I go heavy and low reps. When I want to get cut up, I'm going to carve in the muscles. That's not happening. Lower, Heavier weights at lower reps is way more anti-catabolic, meaning preserving of muscle cells, than uh, when you're in a caloric deficit than going higher reps. Is it something to com- commit completely avoid? Absolutely not. I definitely work in some higher volume, higher repetition training because I do think, look, your muscle cells are not – they're not one monolithic thing. They have three separate types of fibers, mostly the fast twitch and the slow twitch. And and I do think that there's a, a lot of value regardless of what your desire is with your body, whether it be performance or, um, or, or just the uh, aesthetics. There's a lot of value into mixing and matching and can keep keeping some level of higher repetition, lower weight, and some level of strength, uh, pure strength in there. I do think that. But completely avoiding heavy resistance training is not going to work. No, It's just not going to work for you. And I, I highly recommend if you, to, to get better understanding of this um, idea, please – Check out Martin Burkhan's book, The Lean Gains Method. If you're not prepared to read an entire book about it and or make that investment, um, Martin Burkhan's article, Fuck Around Itis, <laughs> on his it, you can find it easily on his website, leangains.com. Fuck Around Itis is a great article that encapsulates everything that I'm talking about. Like you can get into your fucking wazoo CrossFit boot camp, this and that. But eventually, if you really want what we all kind of want, and that is to look amazing naked, you're just going to have to give up on all of that and take a solid amount of time and devote it to linear progression, meaning incrementally increasing the weight on heavy compound lifts. That's it. And don't get involved in the fuck around itis. The fuck around itis of, well, I'm going to do some Bosu ball training and then some yoga and mix that with Pilates, and also uh, I'm going to be running um, uh, uh, triathlon and everything. And like, and my goal with all this is to have a six pack and look amazing. Sorry, that's a really distorted way to get to the end uh, result of looking amazing naked. You want a reasonable. Uh, much more efficient and much more uh, um, 
direct way to do that. Diet, understand nutrition, high protein, calories where you need them. If you need uh, to grow, you want a small surplus. If you want to lose weight, use small uh, deficit, high protein, and lift heavy. Take take that and call me in the morning. Uh, all right. Let me move on to the next question. Hey, Mike. Love the pod. When trying to lose body fat but retain muscle, what is the best form of cardio to do? The best form of cardio is the table pushaways and the fork put down. Now, I know that sounds like an asshole answer. What I'm trying to do, and it's a, a really not funny joke, but the truth is when you're trying to lose body fat, the most important form of cardio is diet. The most infor- important form of training is diet. The most important form of everything is diet. It is train your training when trying to lose body fat and preserve muscle is a is an adjunct to your diet. That's really what it's all about. And most people, especially young guys, spend ninety percent of their focus and their um, interest in their training, and they put just a little salt and pepper fucking interest into their into their diet. And it needs to be the opposite. I never, ever got the results that I wanted. I never, ever got to the point where I was like proud to take my shirt off until I just fucking broke down and had someone help me. His name was Alessandro Comodina, a Italian national who is an IFBB pro. He's, he's a master's now. He's got to be pushing 60. But still to this day, I confer with the guy and I just put my hands up and I'm like, Flex Magazine and the internet is not cutting it. Give me real thorough understanding of diet. And it was all about – there's a lot of details to it. And when you get more and more advanced, you have to obviously manipulate things a little bit more and get – but the reality of it is like so much of it is just up your protein, make a protein-dominant diet. Don't eat when you're hungry. Don't force yourself to eat. Um, But do stop eating before you're – stuffed before you're full monitor your calories it's not fun but you gotta do it at some point i definitely think that people to be sustainable and happy long term you don't have to do it forever but there needs to be some point where you get it's not just like yeah no i think i've been eating clean no you gotta fucking write this shit down and nowadays when i started doing it it was not fun because i had to literally carry around a fucking book of calories and stuff and and macronutrient breakdowns of like how much protein and how much bullshit was in every – and carbs and fat was in everything I was eating. Measured it, wrote it down in a book, did the math myself. That sucked. Uh, but now there's apps. MyFitnessPal and Carbon, there's apps and it makes it so easy. And you just got to do it for like a you know a good three months. Start to get some reasonable understanding, real binary understanding of how much food you're fucking putting in your mouth. You got to do that. If you want it long term, if you want the sustainable results, you have to at some point really break down and start doing it. And until you do, I honestly believe you're not going to get the results you want unless you are very genetically gifted or on a lot of drugs. And sometimes if you're on a lot of drugs, even more so you need to start doing it because I know and you know you know so many dudes – 
especially dudes who are on a bunch of junk and they train hard and they they understand training, but they're fat as fuck and they have man tits on top of their on top of their, you know, 22 inch arms. And they go, they're the same dudes who are always like, do you even lift bro? When I put pictures of myself online and it's like, yeah, okay. Yes. Uh, uh, you're, you're 280 pounds and you do, you have a 600 pound deadlift. That's amazing. You're a fat fuck. And there may be many of you who are listening right now who are that guy or gal or whatever. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm really not. But that's let's talk turkey here. Let's cut to the chase. That's a reality of a lot of gym bros and a lot of like CrossFit chicks that they tra- you train fucking super hard, but you've got like tremendous growth in your deltoids and everything. Your arms look great, but your your the fupa's there, <laughs> like the booty do. Um, the belly stick out more than the booty do. Um, so just just like get rid of this notion of like what's the best training for for fat loss because the reality is the best thing for fat loss is always diet. On top of that, lifting heavy two to three days a week. You don't need to go – but deadlift, squats and uh, compound movements, the overhead press, some type of vertical press, chin-ups, you're good. Do that two times a week and really to a, to a, a high high level of intensity and then – Really, uh, with with cardio, this is my best advice for everyone. Don't get caught in the middle. What I mean by that is if you're going to do cardio and it's something that interests you and it certainly can be helpful when trying to lose body weight and body fat especially, don't get caught in the middle. Don't get caught in that 60%, 45% to 60% uh, heart rate. Either do lots of low, low heart rate, low, low intensity aerobic work, and I mean low. Don't get caught in the middle. Do really slow and really, really fast. I do lots of you know I, I'm a big proponent of the walking, and I do lots of walking, which is my slow, not jogging. I walk. I walk fast. I walk briskly, but it's it's not exactly the most taxing shit. But I do a lot of it over a long period of time. Don't get caught in that middle heart rate zone. I also do three times a week extremely exhaustive cardio activity, which is purely glycolytic and anaerobic. I do rowing intervals. I do hill sprints. I do, uh, you know, I I train in Muay Thai um, pretty consistently. Um, And I, I, so I, I go fucking red line full-on drag race sprinting or I'm going like just, you know, a I'm either cheetah or mule. And I really recommend that for you. 10,000 steps a day or, or 20 to 30 minutes of really low-level aerobic activity is really beneficial for your health and can be great at targeting body fat when uh, you're expending those calories. Okay, so yeah, if you wanted to get on your elliptical or your bike or whatever, don't go. Don't think that like the more sweat, the better, because oftentimes so many of us, they just you're you're essentially like perpetuating the same problem that you want to avoid, and you're getting in this heart rate zone that yes, it's burning calories, but it's not doing anything for you metabolically. In fact, it could probably most likely be harming you metabolically, and it makes you fucking starving. So my thing is like get away from that. 
if you're going to get on the elliptical, you're going to get on the exercise bike, you're going to get on the treadmill, walk. Go uphill on the treadmill, good nice incline, and walk for 30, 45 minutes every day, fine. Two to three days a week, you get on that, uh, if you're going to do the treadmill, put it up to like 3% and go at balls to the wall for one minute, then go complete relaxation for one minute, balls to the wall for one minute, and do that uh, eight times or ten times, get up to ten times, you know, get up, if you're really a, a, like a, a, a good athlete, 12 times, whatever, but you know, you're. I'm talking about 12 to 25 minutes at most of just, I can't move when I'm done, I, I prefer the C2 rower, um, but not everybody has access to that, but I go hard, for me, like a a minute 32 is my personal PR in the 500 meter. So that's how quickly I could do 500 meters. When I'm done with that, I'm uh, – anytime I get under like a minute 40, I'm fucked. You understand? If I keep that pace for a minute then rest for a minute and then do uh, two more at that pace, I'm fucksville. So I either shoot for that or I shoot for complete relaxation going for a walk with my dog and I do that for 10,000 steps a day, whether it be – Four 10-minute walks or one big long walk, I, I, I aim for that. So there, again, thorough answer to a relatively simple question. Um, should I start squatting sumo? Also, who's the GOAT, Reyes, Morris, or Rollins? Uh, I will answer the first question. You Honestly, start squatting sumo if it better suits you. Um, who? Uh, Mark Bell, obviously, at Super Training. Uh, the West Side guys, West Side Barbell. There's really investigate Steffi Cohen over at Hybrid Strength. People who specialize in powerlifting are better to talk to than me. I like to say I'm like a good general mechanic. I may not be able to do a great paint job. I may not be able to uh, put on a supercharger on your um, your th- Chevy 350. But what I can do is I know enough to tell you where to – the guy who can do it, who's the best guy to do it. I, I'm not the – I'm not a, an elite expert when it comes to powerlifting. But I know enough about it to tell you where to go. And, the, you know, super training, Mark Bell, um, anything on his site there is going to be great information. Squat University, amazing. 70s Big, amazing. Steffi Cohen and everyone over there at Hybrid Strength, amazing. Westside Barbell, obviously. What I'm saying is if you're going to make the decision of like low bar squat, high bar squat, uh, sumo or conventional, talk to someone who really understands the real need to do the difference. If your body does not suit you to do conventional deadlifts, which is many people, the sumo is a great option, especially if you're really trying to bolster up the posterior chain and the glutes. If that's more important than, say, the upper back and your hamstrings, then you, yeah, definitely start to, if you're shorter, a lot of like shorter, thicker people find it easier, you know, shorter legged people find it easier to sumo. I don't personally, so I don't, but I like to incorporate it because I think it's a great exercise. So that's my answer to that. Reyes, Morris, or Rollins, for those of you who don't know, what that is, that's uh, the the lead singers of Black Flag, three three of the – I think there were five at some point. But but those are the big three. Reyes was the first. Morris was the one who kind of took them to – then went on to – Keith Morris then went on to start the Circle Jerks. And then, of course, Henry Rollins, who most people know. Um, 
so I, I gotta say, like, it's hard to pick because they're so good. You can't fuck with Reyes because he was the OG. But you also can't say, like, Keith Morris is the reason they became the legends of the hardcore scene. And then Rollins is, of course, what took them to the next level because of not only – I don't think he was the most talented frontman, but everything that he stood for was so congruent with the idea of Black Flag, you know, that like no no fucking around. We're professionals. We, 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 we take things seriously. We have our shit together. That was such a new and refreshing idea in the hardcore scene, in the punk scene. And Rollins was all about that. And, you know, it, it went away from this, like, punish your body. It fucked, fuck society. Fuck everything. I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to waste away. I'm, I don't care about anything. And then when Rollins came along, it just strengthened Black Flag to the point it's like, no, I'm taking personal responsibility for everything. Yeah, I'm depressed. Yeah, I'm, I'm angry. Yeah, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and complain. What are you going to do about it? And there were so many misguided muscle heads out there that were kind of wayward. And, and, and Rollins and Black Flag at that time, you know, even after Black Flag disbanded and Rollins went on to do his own shit, it was so refreshing to have someone that like said, yeah, you know what you should do about it is put down that fucking beer and that bong and probably read a book and lift weights or go skateboard or go do something artistic. The idea of positive ways to express yourself was so there was such a a, a dearth of that in the the punk scene you know and and I think what Rollins did in 1990 was uh, kind of similar to what Joe Rogan's doing today he made it so okay to be a muscle a meathead that that wants to be intellectually curious and it's like yeah it's actually cool to read it's actually cool not to fucking punish yourself it's cool to take care of your body and um and that that's that's more punk rock than I think giving into the pressures to just like waste away. So I can't, I'm not going to pick the goat. I'm going to say that they're each goats in their own different way. But Morris, I think, look, if I had to pick it just musically, I think Keith was probably the best front man. Um, yay. You're back with Kevin. Yeah. Um, Kevin Ryder of Kevin and Bean, he and I are starting a new podcast and, I'm not really sure how much I can or can't say, so I'm not even going to get into details. I'm just going to say that come January, expect it. We're putting a lot of effort into this. We're trying to make it something really big, and we really believe in it. So Kevin Ryder and I will have a new show. Uh, please follow us to that because I think it's really going to be worth your while. Um, why did you choose Magnolia as her name? That's my daughter's name. Um, we really like the name. It's one of my favorite movies, um, and it just kind of sounded pretty. We'd never really heard anyone named Magnolia. It was unique, but not to the point that, like, you roll your eyes. Like, you know, th- there's a lot of that out here in the west side of Los Angeles where, like, my daughter's name is Sunbeam Enchantment. And you're like, oh, fuck. You know, it was weird enough that, like, she felt unique, but it wasn't so weird that people were like, what the fuck? Um so it sounded, and then I always the movie Magnolia, the Paul Thomas Anderson film. Um, it's not a perfect film; it's far from it. But it is a great film, and it it particularly hit home with me, especially Frank Mackey, who is Tom Cruise's character. You know, I'll be I'll be quite frank with you. It was this guy who was just 
had such a distorted relationship with women and such a distorted relationship in general growing up with most of the people around him that he developed a character that was far from who he really was. And it was his protection. And I had never seen a performance like that where it was so real. And I wonder how much of Tom Cruise was really in that because I would imagine a guy who got into Hollywood as young as he did and then became so fucking famous. There must be a little of that where it's like I'm just this vulnerable little boy hiding behind this rock star persona, you know. But it was such a magnificent film and I, I pretty much anything Paul Thomas Anderson does is that good. But that's where we came – we kind of were watching Magnolia for like the 3,000th time and I threw out the name. Um, I was like – I know it's crazy but what about – and Bianca sat on it for a second. She's like, I love it. I love it. Let's go with it. If Magnolia was a boy, we were really – like most likely we were going to name him Lemmy. And I know that that sounds crazy for those of you who even casually know who Lemmy from Motorhead was. But this is such a cool name, you know? Anyway, so there you go. At what age did Will You Explain Recovery to Magnolia? Really good question. I already have. In a way that a six-year-old could hopefully understand. But I just never shied away from it. Um, and I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but she just knows that alcohol is not something that's inherently bad, but I can't drink it because I can't control it, you know, and that I made the, I I made the comparison to like treats, like sweet foods, you know, like junk food. I told her, I was like, obviously, like, you eat cake and donuts and stuff and fried chicken, right? You understand that? And she goes, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know how you can do it occasionally and you don't have a real problem? You you can't – you can easily stop when you want to and you know that, like, it's probably better to eat lots of veggies and and fruits and stuff instead of that. She goes, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's – Papa's not like that when it comes to alcohol and stuff. It's fine if you can control it. I was, I, I was like the guy who couldn't control – my eating uh, of 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 treats. I would have treats all the time to the point that it was really unhealthy. And she was like, oh, "Okay, you know." So in that way, I like I said, I don't know if that's the right approach, but it did seem to work out where she just doesn't. It's not an issue. It doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Like it's very normalized to her. Where we'll go to adult uh, parties or, or or group functions and. Um, other people have beer and wine or cocktails and I don't. And she's like, my, yeah, my, my dad, my papa doesn't drink. That's it. I mean, that's, it was that cut and dry. So I do think that it, it definitely has worked thus far. Um, but you know, man, everybody's different and that especially goes for children. My daughter's super outgoing and personable and like willing to engage in conversation not a lot some six-year-olds probably are maybe they don't want that right now you know what i'm saying at six years old there's so i i i I always hate and the same thing goes for diet and training 
when people are like, what should I do about this? I'm always like, well, I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know what's right or wrong. I know what worked for me or what didn't work for me. And uh, I just kind of lean on that. Um, switching accounts here to Mike Catherwood. What's your new podcast with Kevin going to be about? Again, I'd love to talk about it. I'm just not positive how much I can or can't talk about. So I'll put that one on hold. You have great hair. Not a question, but very true. Uh, how do you incorporate more vegetables into someone's daily meals who is very picky? <sighs> well, when you talk about someone who's really picky, it's like, how picky? Like, no vegetables ever? Or, yeah, zucchini's cool. Uh, you know, I... Just don't go straight to the hardcore shit. It's like it's like uh, look at it like fish or or um, gourmet cheese. You know, really um, kind of high end artisanal cheese. If someone doesn't like cheese besides fucking Velveeta slices, well, you don't go right to Lindbergh or or some type of like really pungent Reggiano. You get them in like a nice, you know, soft, creamy brie and you're like, yeah, put the, I'm going to put this on a cracker for you. Just give this a shot. Let's try. I'm not forcing anything on you. Work them in slowly. Don't go straight to asparagus and steamed broccoli. Sprinkle a little melted cheese on some uh, pan fried zucchini and uh, or or make a salad with like really good um really good like a balsamic reduction uh a lot of mark mark's primal mark daily mark sisson's uh primal kitchen stuff those um those dressings are great they're super healthy i stand behind them and also they almost all of them taste great so i you know look into that like a like a really non-offensive salad, like not a don't go with like arugula and radicchio, like really flavorful over the top. You know, start with like some butter lettuce or some little gems, and just you know, like slowly do it, and then don't force the issue. I mean, I guess that's my best advice. Catherwood, love okay, thank you. Twenty uh, twenty has been my best year. Who would have guessed that two times the lockdowns could have helped me get my head straight? But the thing is, I don't want this to end. Is that wrong? Or rather, is it unhealthy to not want to go back to a more social life? Well, I don't know. I mean, I can't say yes or no, that it's right or wrong. What I can say is like, good on you that this ability to spend more time on your own has really been positive for you because it can so easily go the other way, as we all know. But um, so good for you. Congratulations. I do think that there's a huge opportunity here for all of us to get to know ourselves a little better. So good. I don't think it's wrong to not want it to end. I do think it's probably unhealthy in the long run to not want to socialize at all. If you've maybe noticed that through the lockdowns, you're not necessarily as much of a social butterfly as you thought you were and that you were faking it, which is so many of us. Um, then, then fine. I just don't think it's healthy. I mean, I will take a stand on this one and say it's probably not healthy to be a complete hermit. I think that we're, I don't think, I know that 
from the little understanding I have of evolutionary science, the Homo sapien is it's a very, very communal animal. We are we we roll in packs. Um, you know, modern shelter and technology and rifles and uh, a lot of a lot of these advancements have made it easy for us to be lone wolves. But that's not really who we are as animals. I mean, if you think back four or five hundred years ago, not that long ago, maybe shit, three hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, eighteen twenty, yeah, yeah. Eh, you, if you needed to kill a bear. You ain't doing that on your own. If you needed to eat, frankly, to kill pretty much any land animal, you got to get your buddies and go, okay, dude, how are we taking this thing on? Because uh, we ain't that fast and we ain't that strong. So I need you over there. You run point. I'm going to grab this stick. I'm going to stab it in the back. You come from the other side and then you stab it in the neck. We are animals that need each other. I think it's ingrained in our DNA that we are communal, social, pack animals. Um, so I don't think that you can just write off being social. Um, but I do think like, man, if you recognize like I was going out every night before the lockdown, I really – I recognize I don't really like that. So I'm going to taper down to once a week. Good for you, man. What's your favorite sin food that allows you to stay on track when you're in a cutting phase? Very good question. Um, I like Magic Spoon cereal, and I'm about to embark on an advertisement by them. So full disclosure, but well before they even came into the picture as a possible advertiser, I was going around. I will get fucking David Nurse and Mark Sisson and uh, Aaron. Uh, what's that fucker's last name? <laughs> <laughs> the, the the my the guy who was on the show earlier the the movement guy he was he's been on the show he's my he's like a friend of mine and I can't remember his last name but either way I will get plenty of people former guests of this show to come on and fully back me up that six months ago I was telling people I was like uh, maybe not because of lockdown so a year ago I was telling people dude have you tried Magic Spoon fucking cereal it tastes to me it tastes like Lucky Charms and Frosted Flakes, but it's healthy. There's like three net carbs and it's all sweetened with like allulose and good, you know, not a lot of artificial sweeteners. Tastes amazing. I throw that shit in some A3 milk or A, whatever the fuck it is, A2 or a little raw milk or a little of the like filtered protein milk. I'm, I'm, I'm tight. I don't need to fuck around with any like super calorically dense junk foods. So Magic Spoon Cereal, I highly recommend it. Check it out. Um, what are some other things? Uh, I will make a little like protein mush out of uh, Greek yogurt and protein powder. That helps me a lot um, because it's 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 not something I would want to eat a lot of. I wouldn't like base my my diet around it, but it is it definitely kills my sweet tooth a lot. Um, let's see. Uh, there's an ice cream that my wife got into. Uh, hold on. Everyone, don't move. I have to pee really bad. Halo top. Halo top. Like halo for an angel. I'll, I'll fuck with that. So, yeah. There you go.
Magic Spoon cereal, though, for reals. Again, I know that it may sound like I'm a shill, but I I buy I way bought into them way before, and I'll show you fucking receipts. I bought a shit ton of Magic Spoon cereal oh, well over a year ago, but uh, it does look like they're looking to at least explore the idea of being a sponsor of this show, and I'm fine with that because I don't want to have sponsors on this show that I don't actually believe in. All right. Speaking of that, that's actually a good place for me to um, end things and transition. All right. No, I got to answer this. A favorite love line guest. It's hard to say one favorite. Three I will give you. Let's do top three. Insane Clown Posse. No, no doubt about it. They're fucking crazy in all the right ways. Uh, I'm not a fan of their music, but they are as good of radio guests as you can get. Um, Nick Swartzen, for sure. Never-ending fun. Um, Tosh, probably. Daniel Tosh. There you go. Top three. Uh, okay, so, as I was saying, with I don't really want sponsorships on this show that I don't truly believe in. And up to this point, it's been relatively easy. Um, the popularity of the show has gotten to the point where I have had people reach out to me, um, especially in this kind of world. A lot of it's like supplements and and a lot of it's like training protocols and stuff. And if you know anything about the show, I'm probably have shit on a lot of a lot of it. You know, like a lot of those companies, I've already told people like don't do that. Don't eat that. Don't take that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm at this real kind of weird crossroads where I was like, uh-huh. but I do need money or I can't really do this show anymore because I can't just do it for fun. I'd love to, but that's – so I'm going to break into the Patreon world um, and that's going to come in January of this year. Now, I'm always going to offer this show for free. That goes without saying, okay? I, I don't want there to be a world where I'm not offering this show for free. But I will have the lowest level Patreon. I'm not sure how much to charge yet. I don't know much about it. I've talked to some friends of mine and people who have gotten into the Patreon world. You know, it looks like 2 or $3 is like just the baseline and I'll just hook you up. Okay, there's a email for no reason. Um, so... That's going to be just like, hey, thank you so much, and I'll mention you in the in the podcast here and there, and I'll do my best, you know, two or three bucks. And it's just frank, frankly, it's just like to help me out. So then I'm going to have another tier where it's going to give people access to certain things, and I'm trying to think of like what would be valuable to you and what would be really something useful. So I'm thinking of like training programs diet advice or something like that and then i'm gonna offer the third tier which is like where i could really work with you and i'm not some guru i'm not some uh world-renowned coach but what i am is like someone who does understand what i'm talking about when it comes to diet nutrition and i again don't have very good genetics but I have figured out a way after a lot of trial and error to getting to the point where I'm very healthy and have uh, uh, what I would think would be like an appealing body, right? Um, 
So I would offer some type of interaction-based training, almost like virtual training, uh, where I could contact you on a weekly basis um, and 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 make a more personalized diet and training program. Now that's going to obviously be the like I said, more of the third tier stuff, and I'm probably going to charge a, a pretty what would be like a, a higher amount of food, money than most people would be willing to offer. I, I, but I also don't want to get crazy. I know some people are there charging like four or five hundred dollars a month, and I'm I, I don't feel like I'm at that level where like I'm worth that. But I do think like if you gave me seventy dollars a month, I you know the ability for me to write out a plan for you, both food and and diet, and then talk to you once a week and check in. I don't think that that's crazy. I also don't think like for twenty bucks a month to get like updated stuff that you could just download or receive like that's kind of where but i want your input on what it is a you would like and b how to best structure the patreon protocol okay so at mikey likes you one the number one always dm me or uh just put up you know uh, a comment there or at mike catherwood on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so there, there you go. That's uh, that's my spiel, and I'm, I'm looking again for your guys' help, you guys and gals. And then uh, I'm getting real close to that 50th episode, which means I'm going to be changing the intro song from Ween's Buenos Tardes. Uh, I'm still taking um, you know votes and nominees for songs. Uh, some of them are sh- super shitty. Uh, some of them are great. Uh for instance, um, there was like an Avid Brothers song. Tenacious D's Kielbasa right now is number one in my heart. I would love to start every show with... Any Tenacious D, honestly. Because I could probably play it and I could probably sing it. So there you go. Uh, in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Be good, people. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.